Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. This episode is brought to you by Studio Sweden Headphones. This year, I committed to better quality all around. I love some good sound, and I am absolutely obsessed with my Studio Sweden Regent headphones. I wear them to record each and every conversation I have with the incredible guests you have on this podcast, and I snagged a pair of the Trey headphones for my husband for Christmas. He is in luck. We also have a special discount for you, Radiant 15, that you can use over at Studio Sweden to grab your a pair of their rockin' headphones. So I've linked that up in the show notes and it's businesses like Studio Sweden that bring the Radiant Podcast to you. So go show them some love. Today we have Alexis Teichmiller joining us from the Laptop Lifestyle Podcast. Alexis is also a vulnerability coach and the affiliate marketing manager for ConvertKit, my email provider of choice. She brings so much wisdom to the table today, guys. We talk about vulnerability because that's her thing, and I also love to chat about that. Um, We talk about using um, previous experience in business as stepping stones for what's ahead and how we can look at failure instead as moving parts that propel us forward into the bigger picture of our destiny. I know you're going to love what she has to say. I could have talked to her for hours, but the good news is, is we can continue the conversation with her at her podcast. So without further ado, Hey Alexis. Hey girl. I am so glad you're here. This has been a long time coming, so I would love for you to kind of start and just tell us a little bit about you, how you got started, um, what you're doing. Tell us all the things. You got it, girlfriend. Well, first off, I'm excited to be here. Yes, it is a long time coming. I remember about a year ago, I had you on my podcast, and now I feel so honored to be on yours. Um, A little bit about me. As Kelsey said, my name is Alexis Tykemiller, and I am from the cornfields of Illinois, from a really small town of about 500 people, um, you know, lived in the same area my whole life, went on to a small state school about 30 minutes away from home. So just really that small town feel. Um, my graduating class of, in high school was 26 kids. So very, <laughs> very small rural America. Uh, I always like to joke that my hometown is basically what country music songs were written about. <laughs> and I love that. I loved that community and just uh, all the community that kind of fostered in that area. And at the same time, I always kind of knew that I wanted to experience more of this world, this beautiful world that we live in. Um, More diversity, more travel, maybe a little bit more opportunity. And so um, I studied marketing in college and had a minor in creative nonfiction writing because I love to write and being an author has always been a big part of my life. And whenever I was in college, I got a little bored and <laughs> like unlike <laughs> unlike typical college uh, people or students, I was thinking about how could I take my what I'm learning in my classes and apply it to something 
tangible, something real. And so um, after my sophomore year of college, I decided to actually launch in um, a woman's clothing boutique. So uh, again, from a really small town, there weren't very many options as far as shopping and, and fashion. And so I decided that I wanted to bring more unique styles to our small like rural area. And so I borrowed $2,000 from my grandma and I got my Illinois business license, got my retailer's license, and bought um, about $1,500 worth of just um, like wholesale clothing from New York and LA and had no idea what I was doing, but it was so much fun. I ended up um, hosting trunk shows and women's homes. This is where I would sell um, my clothing. And the boutique was called AT Avenue, AT, Alexis Teichmiller, that's my name, and Avenue because it was a traveling boutique. This is kind of my first real business, my first like step into entrepreneurship. And, you know, coming from a small town, starting a business um, at like 1920, I kind of felt like, um, you know, that was kind of a risk to take. But I don't know about you, Kelsey, but sometimes the things that you're most excited about and feel so right don't necessarily feel like a risk, you know, like yeah. it didn't, it didn't feel like that big of a risk. And, you know, if I ended up bombing the business, I could find a way to pay my grandma back. It was just $2,000. It was a pretty low investment to, to get yeah. started. Yeah. And so then I um, ended up doing 70 trunk shows my first year all around Whoa. the Midwest, all around the Midwest. And I did like $65,000 in sales, uh, literally out of my Toyota RAV4 car, just <laughs> driving around to people's homes and did fashion shows. And I did trunk shows as, at sororities and different colleges. And I guess I just like hustled. This is before I even knew what hustle was, you know, this was four, <laughs> four or five years ago. I'm 24 now. And, um, I ran that my junior and senior year of college. And then around my senior year, I kind of came to this crossroads of, am I going to run this online clothing boutique full time? You know, I had done the trunk shows and I kind of transitioned it into e-commerce. And for anyone that's running an e-commerce business, I feel you. It's tough. There's so much competition on the internet. And so I kind of had this, this decision to make whether or not I wanted to take that full time or if I wanted to maybe move away and, and find a job in my field. And so I decided to take AT Avenue with me and move with me since it was, you know, pretty much a remote kind of gig as far as being able to sell clothing online. So I got a job in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where I live now. And I ended up uh, getting a job for a New York Times bestselling author and keynote speaker. He's a, um, an author in the self-discipline and um, productivity space. His name's Rory Vaden. And he has an incredible book called Take the Stairs. If anyone needs a kick in the pants, <laughs> it's a really good book. Um, so I, I ended up getting a job with him. I was his marketing assistant. So I ran his blog, his podcast, all of his social media accounts, as well as helped uh, build marketing campaigns inside of Infusionsoft, which is an email marketing service provider, which is what got me in the email marketing space. So I worked for him for a year. And then I ended up randomly running into my now CEO, his name's Nathan Barry, um, at a conference randomly. And he and I hit it off. And by the end of the weekend, um, he was like, are you looking for other job opportunities? And I was like, yeah, it's kind of those, those divine moments. And, uh, so I ended up working, uh, ended up quitting that first job. And now I work at an amazing startup in the tech space called ConvertKit. And I'm the affiliate manager there. And we're an email marketing uh, service provider for creators, online entrepreneurs, podcasters, bloggers, 
um, any kind of online creation, we're your people. <laughs> and so uh, that's what I do now. And then my side hustles. I have a podcast called The Laptop Lifestyle. I'm a content creator for hospitality brands uh, where I work with hotels, restaurants, and tourism boards and create content for their uh, websites and social media accounts. And then I just kind of am starting to dabble in the online course uh, space and starting to build some courses on vulnerability and doing some vulnerability coaching. So that was a very long answer, but that's a little bit of who I am um, over the last, you know, 24 years of my life. (laughs) That is a lot packed into 24 years, but especially like four years, right? (laughs) Kind of, yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's start with the boutique. Yeah. So can you kind of tell us the span? And really, it all started before that. Didn't you have some sort of entre- like running a business at like 16 in high school too? Yeah, yeah. I kind of skipped that part. So whenever I was <laughs> whenever I was 17, I wrote my first book called Investing in Human Capital. And I was in this really intense entrepreneurship class my senior year of high school called Creating Entrepreneurial Opportunities, which also is called CEO. And I took this class my senior year of high school where I wrote my first book and sold that. And that was kind of my first step into the entrepreneurial space. And then AT Avenue was like, my jump in where we're talking about like actually running a full-fledged business. Um, So when it came to the boutique, it was mostly just I saw a need and I wanted to fill it. And I always say that the best businesses are born from this this intersection of what are you passionate about and then what people are willing to pay you for. And then where those two um, pieces intersect is a beautiful business because you have demand, but and then you're also excited and passionate about what you're creating. Wow. I love that. So would you say, I mean, you learned a lot of hands-on, I mean principles running your first business at what were you 20 did you say yes yeah 20 (laughs) wow wow so what would be some of your biggest takeaways especially like you said I feel you when it comes to e-commerce like what were some of your biggest takeaways running that business and how do you apply um, what you learned there now absolutely so a few lessons the first one was I thought I knew my target audience And this goes for any, you know, if you're a blogger, a creator, any kind of entrepreneurial um, endeavor that you're that you're on, knowing who your customer is, is really important. Knowing who your audience is, knowing who who your community is, is like one of the most important things as an entrepreneur It helps make you successful and helps, you know, the sustainability of your business. And I thought I knew how my my target audience was. I thought it was me. You know, I was this college girl Mm -hmm. and I thought I was buying to other, you know, for, with other college girls in mind. And then I realized that college, college women did not have any money. So it's funny because (laughs) I, you know, I went in this direction of, I'm going to make my marketing all towards, you know, college age women. And then I realized that my actual target market was ages 35 to 50. So I was this 20 year old girl helping, you know, a 35 year old mom of three pick out an outfit for a date night out with her husband. And I was helping, you know, 45-year-old women pick out dresses for their high school reunions. And it ended up being this really, like, sweet um, experience of me getting to know and understand and communicate with women that were much older than me. And, um, yeah, I think it just goes to show that 
when you are on a path and you think you're going one way, like when it comes to your target audience, sometimes you'll get off on another path when really your target audience is somewhere else. And so then I changed my marketing and changed who I approached to do trunk shows. So that's a big lesson. And that, that, I, I still see that every single day, like knowing who your audience is. Um, and then another one would probably be, um, you know, the importance of really getting clear on your motives. You know, like when you're creating, when you're running a business, when you're starting something new, getting very, very clear on why you're doing that. And, you know, there's like a buzzword of like knowing your why and Simon Sinek and all that. And and as much as like people are like, oh, yeah, that's important. But it really is important to know why you're doing what you're doing, because you can use that as inner fuel you know? And it's like, sometimes my motives aren't pure. Sometimes it might have a lot to do with my ego. Or maybe I'm doing something because I want to impress other people instead of trying to actually connect with them. You know, so I, I learned that in AT Avenue, um, a lot of times my motives were, I had to get really clear on, wait, 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 why am I doing this again? Oh, that's right, because I want to connect and make other women feel beautiful. And I, every single decision I made came back to my why. And that still, you know, transfers into what I do now. Yeah. Wow. So, okay. I'm going to touch on both of those because what you just said was incredible, but what would your advice be for someone who needs to reassess their target audience online right now? Mm -hmm. How do they determine that? What if they've pivoted? What would be your input there? Because I know that's a struggle. I mean, I do that with clients every day. You know, who is your customer followers for the sake of followers is totally pointless. Like we need mm -hmm. followers who actually want what we're releasing into the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So I think it comes down to actually sitting down with a pen and a paper and writing out who your ideal customer is. It's like look at your products, look at your services and what you're offering, and then really think about who those products and services are for. And I always like to look at my target audience first and see what their needs are before I would ever create anything for them. I think a lot of times we go in, we create products and services, and then we go try to find out who our customer is. I think first you need to kind of, it's kind of like that chicken and uh, chicken before the egg or whatever, you know, yeah. the whole back and forth. Like, I think it's important to know who your customer is before you go creating a bunch of products for them, you know? And so really asking and being in tune with who they are. So what are their characteristics? How old are they? What's their average income? What do they watch at TV? Uh, what do they watch on TV at night? What are their favorite restaurants? Where do they shop? Like, I think getting very, very specific on who your target audience is, that's actually called an avatar. I'm not talking about the yeah. big blue people, <laughs> but actually knowing who your avatar is. And then every time I create something, I want to be in tune with who my avatar is. Another thing too, is to not be afraid to just ask. I think a lot of times we get kind of in this, I don't know, we get in our heads so much, Kelsey, that we think we have to know the answers. We think we have to have all the authority. And if we were to ask our audience what they might want, it might make us feel, you know, less authoritative or make us feel like we might not have it all figured out, which, hey, we don't. Um, but I think it's important to actually just ask your audience. And this is not anything against you not knowing what to do or uh, making you look less you know, authoritative, it actually makes your audience feel like they can engage with you more if you just ask them. So like, I asked my audience, what are the what are some of the biggest things that you struggle with when it comes to being vulnerable in your business or being more vulnerable online? 
uh, just just on Instagram stories, and like 65 people DM'd me specifically just to talk about what they struggled with. And then I took all of those answers and I compiled them, and now I'm building a course outline based on what my followers literally told me. So I think if you can just ask them, you'd be surprised at how many people would come back and give you incredible content, and then they feel more connected to you because you're building something specific for them. Man, that's very, very good advice. Um, okay, so tell us about, you know, how you kind of closed shop with the boutique and moved on. And then, you know, your journey post-college working for Rory and then moving on to ConvertKit. Yeah, so after I moved to Nashville, so I moved to Nashville right after I graduated college, it was like a week after, and I brought all of my AT Avenue inventory down with me, and I had all these plans to continue to run it and maybe even do some trunk shows in Nashville and turn it into an e-commerce, you know, like really go all in on e-commerce, and I just fell out of love with the clothing part of it, you know? I loved writing, I loved connecting with women, and I realized that AT Avenue was just kind of the, the like selling the clothes was just kind of the vehicle to do that. And so I realized that I was, at that point, a lot more passionate and making a lot more impact just connecting with women online, and I was starting to grow my own personal blog. And at that point, I had lived in Nashville for about six months, and I decided that I was going to close AT Avenue. And I, at that point, I had run it for about three years, and I really do believe that everything has a season. You know, yeah. everything, everything has a season. Every job, sometimes even relationships and friendships and things like that, like have a season um, where they flourish and then sometimes they don't flourish. And I was in a season of not flourishing <laughs> towards the yeah. end. So I ended up selling off my inventory to a few other boutiques and kind of, um, you know, was able to end on a good note financially with that business. And then I kind of went all into learning about online marketing and business. And I learned so much working with Rory. That's kind of where I got the idea for my personal podcast was through, you know, managing and writing all the show notes and everything for Rory's podcast. So, um, his whole story was a very much a inspiration to me and kind of my business. And so that's kind of where the idea for the podcast came from was through seeing like his podcast. And there were a few other podcasts I had been following at the time. If you're familiar with Lewis Howes, I love you, Lewis. You're the best. Um, he has an incredible podcast called The uh, the School of Greatness. And I started listening to his podcast. And I really found podcasting as a way to connect with other people online that was just very intimate. Like hearing someone's voice, you feel connected to who they are. And you feel like you kind of have a friend through the internet versus maybe just reading something on a screen, like re reading a blog post or reading an Instagram caption. And so at that point, I was pretty lonely. Like my first year in Nashville, I'm going to be honest with you guys, I was really, really lonely. I was struggling to find community, was scared to kind of put myself out there. Like now I just DM people and be like, hey, let's grab coffee. Like you look awesome. I love like who you are. I love what you are about. Let's get together. Um, but my first year, it was hard for me to do that. And I kind of leaned into podcasting and books and found a lot of like, quote unquote, online mentors through listening to podcasts. And so uh, Lewis has changed my life so much and my and through listening to his podcast, so I wanted to start my own. And I thought if I could just impact one person through my podcast, my life would be made. Like if I could do what Lewis has done for me, for someone else, like I, I couldn't think of a better way to spend my time. Um, so that's kind of where the Laptop Lifestyle podcast was born. And through that whole transition of starting a podcast, I also transitioned and found a different job. 
And I started out at ConvertKit literally scheduling social media posts into Buffer and Meet Edgar and Hootsuite. And now I'm the affiliate manager there. So after working there for a year and a half, I kind of learned all the roles inside of my sales team. And I worked from doing you know low account sales to min account sales to high account sales. And then from there, transitioned into the affiliate manager position. Um, and I love it. Like working for a completely remote company, which is ConvertKit's completely remote. We have about 30 employees all over the world. And it makes for a really interesting and fun culture where we're all online all day long, which also plays into my podcast, The Laptop Lifestyle. So it's all very, um, very congruent. Yeah, very fluid. I love that you've been able to just take each experience as kind of like a stepping stone uh, to the next. Um, Did you ever, as you moved on from one experience to to the next, at the time, did you ever experience what you felt like was failure? You know, for me, I definitely have moments that I'm like, I totally felt like that was failure. But now I'm like, whoa, that was the best gift I could have ever been given. Did have you experienced that? Oh, girl, yes, one hundred percent. Like quitting AT Avenue, like closing that down after three years, I felt like such a failure for about two or three months because honestly, it kind of bruised my ego. You know, yeah. I, I moved to a new city, and I thought that I was gonna continue to run this really successful online business, and it it didn't. Because I was so yeah. focused on my new job and I didn't, I wasn't putting enough time into the side business anymore. And it really took away from kind of who I thought I was. Like, oh, I'm, I'm this entrepreneur. And then I closed my business and I'm like, I'm not an entrepreneur anymore because I don't run a business. You know, it had uh-huh. a lot to do with how I labeled myself, if that makes sense. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, I counted that as a huge failure. It took me some time to heal. And the reason I felt like a failure was because of all the people that had supported me. You know, all the photographers I'd worked with and all my customers. And I felt like I had really built up this community around my business. And then to quit, it felt like I was quitting them, you know, like I was failing them. And so I had to let that go because, um, you know, no one, no one cares about that stuff as much as you do you know, as the entrepreneur. And so I kind of had to let, let that go and stop thinking of myself like that stop feeling like a failure and, and really ego check myself and, you know, kind of threw myself more into the blog and into creating content online. And then I think after I, after a while of, of creating content online, that failure uh, feeling kind of loosened up a little bit. Totally. Because do you think by, you know, actually being intuitive and in tune with what's best for you, you made the hard decision that made room for your next level of success? Oh, 100% girl. And I, I always say that judgment kills your intuition. And so if you're constantly judging the way you feel or the way that you make decisions or, you know, when you're like, you know what, I think I... I'm in a bad situation. I'm in a bad job. I'm in, you know, I'm in a difficult situation or maybe I don't want to do this anymore. And you judge yourself for making the right decision for yourself. It actually hurts your intuition because if you spend so much time judging, you know, who you are or what you want or what you don't want, that you're unable to make decisions based on that self judgment. That is so true and so good. And yeah, from my experiences, some of the things I've laid down that totally bruised my ego in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have made mm-hmm. way for some of my biggest breakthroughs. Yeah, I yeah, and totally. I'm like have a sense of gratitude for those mm-hmm. hard seasons. Yeah, I think it's a good 
I think it, it really does come back to gratitude, Kelsey. You're so right. Like in those seasons where you're not sure, in those seasons where you really, you're like soaking in your imperfection, and we are all imperfect. Uh, but there are days where you feel your imperfections a little bit more than others, and you know there are days where you feel like you're you're fighting so hard to make something work and you're not making any headway. I just come back to the idea and like the practice of gratitude and just looking at up where I've come from and looking at where God's taking my journey and where he's where he's working on me and working in my life um, and just kind of taking a, a couple steps back and just being really grateful for where I am versus judging where I'm not. Ooh, girl, preach. Okay. <laughs> so speaking of that, um, so here's one struggle I deal with. People are going to laugh because they've heard me say this on so many episodes. That's okay. But I feel like there are there's this cool girls club of 38 year olds who have arrived. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find yourself comparing yourselves to people who have 15 years under their belt ahead of us? Mm-hmm. And how do you talk to yourself about that? Because mm-hmm. you know I kind of finally came to a conclusion that that was not serving me well to constantly be comparing myself to 40 year olds who have already you know gotten their children into high school. <laughs> but right. you know it is it is real, and a lot of people who are are you know not idols, but people we admire in our industry mm-hmm. um, do have a few more years under our belt. And sometimes I can feel insecure about my age, but that doesn't serve me well when I you know go down that rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's a real struggle that a lot of us younger people in this industry struggle with. How do yeah. you navigate that? Yeah, and like a part of my job is I work with some of the top you know, online entrepreneurs in our space. And I can look at their journey and I could compare myself to them. And actually I compare myself more to people my own age, like specifically, because I'll see people that are like doing more than me or getting like, you know, growing quicker or more successful, or, you know, they just quit their full-time job to go travel the world or whatever, even though that's not my dream. I'm like, man, like, oh, you know, you just want the option. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So yeah, I definitely have really suffered with some comparison, but something that's helped me is focusing on my community and really asking my community to hold me accountable. Um, and which they have, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. But whenever I feel myself getting in really negative moods where I'm judging where I'm not or comparing my my chapter one to someone else's chapter 20, like mm-hmm. I, I have to have my girlfriends and my friends in my circle who are going to tell me like, hey, that's not productive. That's not effective. Yeah. Like you spending time and wasting energy, you know, thinking about all the things that someone else has that you don't, you know, that envy, that jealousy, it actually takes away from your spirit, you know, and it, it takes away from all the things that you could create because you're, you're wasting so much energy, you know, focusing on what you don't have. Yeah. And, and it's totally crippling and debilitating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is something that um, I heard a really good sermon on this and it, honestly like shook me to my core. I left, I remember leaving church kind of mad because it, it was so spot on for myself that I was like angry that like the preacher had called me out personally, even though he didn't, like he didn't, he was just, he was just, you know, preaching an amazing sermon. I walked away. So like, Oh, how dare he talk about jealousy and that it's wrong. You know, like, (laughs) like, and I felt it so personally, but 
basically what he said is like in order to be jealous and in order to be envious of someone else, you must first hate everything that you have right now. And everything that you have right now is a gift from God. So basically wow. what you're what you're saying is that you hate all the gifts that God gave you and therefore you think that you deserve something else, so therefore you should be God. And I was like shook. Like wow. I was I know, I walked out of church, I was like, wow, I did not realize how much I suffered with that specifically. And so that's something I've been working on a lot lately is to like really be grateful for what I have. And every single time I feel that comparison, like little snake, you know, slip in, I immediately like call a friend or I like have to check myself or I immediately talk to God and I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry. I love what I have. And I love this <laughs> life that you've given me. And like, I don't want to feel that way. It's just not productive and such a waste of energy, even though it's such a struggle, girl, I feel you. Yeah. And that is, just, it is such a waste of energy and it actually prohibits us from, you know, progressing. It's a waste of time, but I do think we all struggle with it, but it's a good reminder to have conversations like this. So our listeners yeah. can hear that we struggle with this too. And then Heck we yeah. hit reset and move forward. Like you can't let it cripple you. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't sit in it forever. You know, right. I've sat in counseling sessions and forgiven, you know, people who I feel like I grew up with on Instagram, forgiven them for <laughs> uh-huh. maybe if I felt like they weren't authentic. And then I forgave myself for judging them. You know, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully I have an amazing counselor who will be like, okay, now do you want to forgive yourself for your judgment? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my so, gosh, that's so amazing. Like, but it's, it's I, real. Yeah. It is it's so, very so real. real. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think it's something that um, we talk about a lot and it's like, I might be on a trip uh, for work, I might be on a trip for a content trip working with a hospitality brand or whatever. And I'll have people DM me and they're like, I want your life. Or I wish I was you. Or man, that'd be cool if. Or if only. Or must be nice. And I get that. And then I, my immediate response is, you can be whoever you want to be. Yeah. So if this is something that you'd like to do, you can totally do that if you choose to. But like, totally. it's so tough because like sometimes I'll get messages like that. And I don't want to be the source of someone else's comparison. Yeah. I don't want to be the source of someone else's envy. So I try to use the opportunity as a place of encouragement of like, if this is something that you want to do, you can also do this if you choose. And I think yeah. that's, that's where the comparison thing comes in is like, we are jealous of something that we might not even want, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a realization of some of the people I compare myself to are not even my tribe. Like, I wouldn't pick them out in a room to hang out with. I have a a tribe of down-to-earth girls who are my girl type. You know, maybe they're not even my girl type. It's their success I'm admiring, but I don't want the stress that comes with their life or their struggles. And so I think when we, like, create conversation around this, it puts it into perspective for people. And Mm -hmm. I do think you know I really resonate with you on the on the conversation of I really believe like you can have whatever you want to but I really attribute that to my parents you know I did not have a cookie cutter life my life my childhood was hard but one thing that my parents like hit out of the park was I can do whatever I want. And I've never doubted it. I really believe like I, I can do, I can have it all and I can do what I want. But I think that's an identity thing. And so how would you say we create a conversation for people who haven't had that journey, who don't 
know that they can have it all, that they can do whatever they want. And I'm not saying that from an entitled millennial manner. I'm saying like work your ass off and you can have it all. (laughs) Totally, (laughs) totally. walk through doors God opens for you. But from a working hard standpoint, but also knowing like our identity, who we are, what we're capable of, how do we instill this in people who haven't had the upper hand of being told that their whole life? Yeah, this is a great question and a great conversation because it's like, that's almost a form of privilege whenever you do kind of grow up with yeah. par- parents that are really, really supportive and like, you can do whatever you want. You can be whoever you want to be. And there are people who did not grow up like that. And very similar to you, I did have a family that was very, very supportive and supported me in all my entrepreneurial endeavors and have been a huge like cornerstone of my journey. But even still, Kelsey, like there are still days where I doubt myself, no matter how much encouragement or no matter how much that's been instilled in me. And I think what it comes back to is how much do you truly love who you are? Like how much do you truly believe in yourself? And as cliche as that sounds, I know it does, but I think this is all centered around your own self-worth and where do you derive your own self-love and how do you take care of yourself? And, you know, some of the people that I have seen rise out of absolutely nothing who did not have that privilege of a family who was super supportive, their love for themselves, and not in a conceited way, I'm talking about like a self-worth, you know, um, you know, I really believe in myself, I believe in my story, I believe in, you know, whatever my, my inspiration is, they, they had that, they had that extreme, like, internal self-love where they were able to say, hey, this is what I want. I'm going to go get it. I don't even care what I have to do to go get it or do it or build it or create it. I'm going to do this thing because I know that I can. I might fail. We all fail. It's inevitable. But I'm going to pick myself back up and I'm going to keep going. And I think like a big part of where that's derived in me is over the last couple of years of living on my own and being financially independent in a city where I knew no one. Like, that I find a lot of satisfaction in that, you know, like I Mm -hmm. find my self love and like knowing that I'm sustainable and I'm independent and I don't find my love from anywhere else um, or my worth or my acceptance from anyone else or my affirmation from anyone, anyone else other than myself and from the Lord. Yeah. And that's a hard place to get. Like I've been in, in and out of counseling since I was 14. This is not something that I just arrived upon one day. And that's something that you don't just master and then you, you know, you're perfect for the rest of your life. It is a constant struggle. It's a, it's in constant fluid motion and in a constant conversation between you and the Lord or you and a counselor, or, you know, making sure that you're really in tune with who you are and knowing your inner voice and knowing that what truly is good for you, Man. what truly is bad for you. Like, what negative energies in your life right now that you need to cut out, but you're scared to like what decisions, what decisions do you know need to be made, but you're not making them because you're scared to stand up. You You are saying so many good things. (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it's, it's something that I've struggled with a lot. And, um, I don't actually, I haven't really talked about this very much, but I'm glad you asked that question. It's so important and really being able to, get in tune with yourself, knowing whenever you need a break or knowing who you are, knowing what you want is like the most powerful, um, earthly currency I think you can have. Oh yeah. Yeah. A few things you said, you know, I really want people to believe like, it's not that the sky's the limit. It's that there are no limits, but Mm -hmm. you're right. 
we are privileged to have parents who did instill that. But I will say I had a lot of pain growing up and I'm a huge fan of counseling. So Mm -hmm. for the days that you, you know, need a reminder of who you are, whether you were never told, you know, you can do anything or you just have pain to work through to reach your highest potential, get a counselor. Like that is not taboo. That's not something we should be ashamed of. It's going to lead to your best breakthroughs and it's never too late to start believing in yourself. And I absolutely believe in getting the support you need to live your best life. And I think this segues really well into talking about your vulnerability coaching next if people need help. But before we get there too, it sounds like some of our breakthroughs have come from pain. Would you say, Mm. would you say that? (laughs) Yes, 100%. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of parts of my story that, you know, I, I haven't really shared and I, I really can't share. Um, but I've, I also very similar to you have been through some really, really painful seasons and experiences and years of my life. And I think it gave me the inner strength to know that if you can get through that, you can get through this. If you can pick yourself up from that, you can pick yourself up from this. And, um, just like having that inner courage and bravery to stand up whenever you feel like injustice is being done. Or, you know, to stand up whenever you feel like someone's overstepping serious boundaries in your life. Like you have to be able to to um, be able to speak up for yourself. And a, a lot of my personal growth and a lot of, I would say, my vulnerability comes from my ability to see the pain in my life and use it as a tool for growth and as a gift and a connection tool to actually, you know, connect with other people. Yeah. Some of my most painful seasons have yielded the most beautiful parts of my life. Yeah. And I think that Mm -hmm. for anyone listening, like we can all relate on that. Like we've all gone through pain and all pain is relevant and Mm -hmm. we can use it as fuel for something greater. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And like for people that might be in a painful season right now, I just want to encourage you to just not not feel like you're completely alone in your pain because every single person in this on this earth feels pain. And sometimes we can like victimize our pain and think that we're the only one that's feeling that way or we're the only one that's ever experienced this certain, you know, situation and maybe you might be um but I also think it's your responsibility to ask for help. And I think totally. like if if I hadn't have asked for help, I would probably be a very, very angry, selfish person. And hey, like I'm still a little selfish. I'm not perfect or anything. <laughs> but but I think I would I would not be who I am now if it had not been for my pain, for counseling, and for being able to open up and, and connect with other people through that pain. It makes you so much more um, I don't know, like your empathy. You know, like my ability to connect with others is because of the pain that I've experienced. Yeah. So using that as a tool to, you know, share and to open up and to sometimes share things that might feel uncomfortable, uh, but you never know who they're helping too. Absolutely. Um, One last thing um, from this conversation before we talk about your vulnerability coaching, Mm -hmm. I heard you say, you know, weeding out toxic people 
or things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you said people. I, that's what came to my mind. Uh, in your life, how has that served you? Um, I know last year was a pretty hard one for me. I had a few friend breakups, but mm-hmm. I knew that, you know, what we talked about on our coffee dates was not who I wanted to be. And it wasn't mm-hmm. serving um, the vision of my life. And I don't mean using people as in they're not serving me. I mean, I don't right. want to gossip about people. Right. I don't want to spend an hour and a half of my time uh, comparing ourselves to other people or putting, or basically another form of comparison, putting someone else down because right. you would just feel better doing it. That's mm-hmm. not how I wanted to spend my time. And I actually was driving on my morning drive in my car today and was like, man, I have no drama in my life. This is mm. very peaceful. I don't have the stress of conflict in my life. And and 2017 or 2016 really was a pretty hard one. But man, I I just, I think it's really important to weed out toxic, toxic, I can't talk, toxicity or negativity from our lives. That's just not, that's not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, how can you be radiant if you surround yourself with people that are trying to dull your shine? You know, like how can you shine bright for anything if you constantly have people trying to put out your light and I dull other people's. Yeah. I I want to empower other people to be radiant. I don't want to dim them down. Right. Yeah. Like condescending friends or friends who make fun of what you do or have no idea or don't get what you do. Like I totally, I totally get that. And I think like a big portion of like, I don't like the word like cutting out because it makes you sound like you're like cold turkey, like this person doesn't even exist anymore. And that's not, I don't want to dehumanize that like experience. Um, But you do have to protect who you are. And a big part of protecting who you are is knowing whenever there are people who are fundamentally, um, you know, against what you're against um, or make you feel like they're somehow violating your personhood as far as like your spirit um, or your heart or your soul, like they're hurting you in some way, I would say it's really time to set some boundaries. You know, even when it comes to family, when it comes to friends, like setting very firm boundaries of, you know, at what point in time you, I always like to say, um, like I always envision everyone in my life with a microphone. And if there's someone who I need to set boundaries with, I limit the amount of airtime I give them in my life. Ooh, like yeah. I, li- I limit the amount of mic time. <laughs> I just sometimes I might mute the mic, you know, like yeah. I don't always have to listen to or agree with, you know, every single person's opinion. Um, and a big part of that is setting boundaries and saying like, hey, I appreciate you, but I don't agree with you. Or I'm sorry, but. I don't necessarily think we should be spending as much time together anymore because, you know, I just, I don't feel like a good person whenever I'm around you, which sounds terrible. But I mean, that's a big part of like setting those boundaries is self-preservation and protection. Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think that you have to judge yourself for that. And I'm working with a few clients right now and mentoring a few people who really struggle with what people think. And I do too. Like I, this is not coming from a place of superiority, but I really had to get very clear on whose opinion I actually cared about. I don't want to care about everyone's opinion because I can't please everyone, you know? And then if I'm trying to please everyone else, I'm not being true to my own, you know, my own spirit and my own soul. And so I think it's getting really clear on who you are will help you create those boundaries. 
Like, if you don't want drama in your life, who's causing drama? And then it might be time to mute their mic. <laughs> yeah, and then, and part of it is, man, I don't like who I am with these people. It's not oh, all, yeah. it's not all them. Like right. p- part of that is my responsibility. And mm-hmm. man, I don't have the self-control to not gossip if I hang out with them. Wow. I need to work on it. But also if I try to stop and it continues, I'm not going to continuously put myself in this position because that's not who I want to be. I don't want right. to put down people mm-hmm. or feel like I have to keep up with the Joneses to feel mm-hmm. a sense of self-worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's like a, another little form of comparison too. Oh, like, yeah. And like, this is a big one for me. And it's something I, I talk about a lot is deriving, you know, my worth from impressing other people. Like whenever I'm out at an event, like a blogger event or a meetup or something like that, I could walk into the room and I could like try to impress the pants off of everybody. Not literally, but yeah. I, could, I could try to just like impress them with who I am and what I've done and blah, 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 blah. But that's, I would actually probably walk away from that, not really having any kind of real connection with anyone. So I always say whenever you meet someone, whenever you're having a conversation with someone, you actually just have two choices. You have a choice to try to impress them or you have a choice to try to connect with them. And my whole 2017 has been centered around connecting with people. And this has been one of the most fulfilling years of my life because I, tr- I stopped trying to impress people all the time. It was exhausting. I never walked away feeling good. I, I don't think the other person felt good either. <laughs> and so yeah. I just tried – I'm trying really, really hard to connect with people and just be honest and be real and ask them questions, not make it all about me. I want the other person to talk, you know, 80% more than I do. And so I think that's another big part of friendships and good energy and surrounding yourself with an amazing community is looking at what you add. And that should be, you know, centered around connecting with them and truly trying to be a a true asset to their life versus depleting their life, you know? And it goes both ways. Like, you know, maybe there's people who want to cut me out of their life because I'm not positive, you know? So you you could think about it that way too. Um, So I think it's been... A lesson. It's something I'll always be learning and kind of transitioning it's around. Hard. It's so hard, but yeah, I try to default to connection instead of defaulting to impressing people for sure. Man, girl, I could talk to you all day long. Tell me about <laughs> your vulnerability coaching. Yeah. So this is crazy guys. Okay. Like, you know, whenever you put something out into the universe that you're like, you know, I think I'm going to do this. I remember I was in Vegas a month ago at a mastermind meetup and I was sitting at a table with amazing rock star women. Like just, they were, they are doing incredible things in their business. They are very well known in their space and they're talking to me about some different things. And one of them kind of turned to me and they're like, so what's your, what do you want to do? Like, what's your end game? Or like, what's something that you've always kind of dreamt of doing? And I looked at her and over the past year, to give you guys a little bit of background, a lot, a lot of my writing, my podcast, everything that I've been producing online has really kind of been centered around vulnerability and being open and sharing and trying to use some of my pain, some of my experiences as a way to help other people connect and maybe heal or maybe feel like they're not alone. And so I looked at her and I didn't even know that I was saying it until it was out of my mouth. I looked at her, this was just a month ago, and I was like, I, I want to be a vulnerability coach where I help women, entrepreneurs, um, who have personal brands or maybe they work, you know, within a company 
I want to help them use vulnerability as a tool to engage with their audiences and communities and help them get more in tune with who they are um, as an entrepreneur and how they can serve people more through connection. And they were like, they both looked at me and they were like, oh my gosh, like you need to do this. Like this is, this is amazing. This is so important. And I walked away from that and I was like scared to death. Kelsey. Like, I don't think I've ever been scared of something more than this idea of vulnerability coaching. <laughs> and now I have three clients, you know, that I just like amazing. put it out in the world. And like, this is something very new and something I'm trying out. Um, but yeah, I have three clients now and I'm really excited about it. And I'm starting to build some more courses around vulnerability. I'm working on a course right now called Unfiltered, how to seek vulnerability in an online world. And I just think it's important, you know, like people showing up as themselves, people feeling yeah. empowered to actually just show up and be who they are and to default to connection and to really open up and have honest conversations about real issues with people. Like I could not think of a better way to spend my time and it's scary. It's hard. I'm not really sure what I'm doing. And that's a part of being vulnerable is to be able to say that. Um, yeah. So I'm really excited and I just think the ability to use vulnerability as a tool to open up and to share and to connect with other people, like, it's so beautiful. And, um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Again, no idea what I'm doing. This is, like, another new thing, but I'm really excited. Wow. It is just cool to see your story unfold and for this entire conversation to be where you started and where it's taken you. And I bet when you opened that boutique, you had no idea what you would feel in those sessions with women where you're styling them and you're helping them get ready for a date night and you are making them feel beautiful and helping them put together an outfit that allows them to feel like the best version of themselves. And mm -hmm. that is a, is part of your business now that was there in the very beginning. Yeah. And you've taken all these turns and pivots and stepping stones and here you are in like the diamond cut out of the rough of all your experiences, coaching people to, you know, love themselves and mm -hmm. be vulnerable and carry their message into this world with truth and honesty and bravery. I think that is pretty cool to see your journey uh, kind of in a linear path like that. I, I honestly, Kelsey, I had never thought about it like that. Like this is such a new concept to me. And like, this is such a new uh, business endeavor that I never even thought about how those two things connected. Uh, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for connecting the dots. I love Well, that. it's just cool. It's cool to hear your heart. Um, where can people find you? I would love, you know, for everyone to be able to keep up, um, hear what you've got going on at the Laptop Lifestyle Podcast. I think your interviews are thoughtful and beautifully articulated. You're a great interviewer. You have ask incredible questions. Thanks, um, so where can they continue the conversation with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can follow the podcast at The Laptop Lifestyle. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. Oh, 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 oh,